Welcome to the Modern Lawyer Podcast. I'm Anand Upadhyay. Thanks for joining me today. This is a podcast about rapid change in the legal industry. Today's guest is Brian Bratcher, the Managing Director of Gravity Stack, a wholly owned subsidiary of Amlaw 50 law firm Reed Smith. Gravity Stack is a revenue generating company within the firm that builds products and offers up services for law firms and other businesses. Brian joined us at our Case Tech's headquarters in San Francisco to talk about his journey from the head of the Reed Smith Client Technology Solutions Group, which was renamed and spun out as Gravity Stack. Brian talks to us about the future of the industry, including the threats from the big four accounting firms, consolidation among solutions providers, and the future of revenue-generating solutions providers owned entirely by law firms. Brian also talks about the entrepreneurial culture within Reed Smith that gave rise to Gravity Stack, which permits him to operate in an innovative and independent manner. Brian, thanks so much for joining us on the Modern Lawyer Podcast. It's a real honor to have you on to talk about your background and what you're working on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I want to kick it off, Brian, by just asking you, you know, you're the CEO of Gravity Stack, as our listeners know. What is Gravity Stack and what is your role there? What are your goals as part of uh, that enterprise? So Gravity Stack is a data company. And uh, at its core, we believe that besides people, our clients, most important asset is data. And so we build technology, we build process, and we build human intelligence around that. For each client, that, that solution may be different. But what we are is a solution provider, not a service provider. I think there's a big difference there. So service, you may have a menu of things that you offer. And if you have a customer that comes to you and that's, it's not on a menu, then you're not really a solutions provider. So what we do is we have the people, process, and technology in place to be able to, to handle that both in litigation technology, transactional technology, and operational technology and legal. And so the work of Gravity, and I want to get into the, the very interesting structure and background of Gravity Stack, of course, but just preliminarily, the work of Gravity Stack, I take it, starts when a potential customer, prospective client comes to you and says, Brian, we have a problem. Can you fix it? And then you spring into action. That's right. So that can take the form of, of, of many requests from our customers, but it can be, hey, we have a particular set of technology that's, that's bespoke to us, and we need to make it do X, Y, and Z in addition to what it's already off the shelf. Can you help? We have a team of structured data engineers and, and data scientists that can help do that. They have years of experience dealing with structured technology, can stitch things together. And one of our big core focuses is to do a couple of things. One is to either give people, give organizations a better defensible position on their cases based on data, like a data-driven lawyer type model. I can give you an example of that later. But um, the other part is just to give them more intelligence into their business. Because like I said before, data is very critical to be able to, to thrive in today's business world. I don't think that's anything novel, but it is something that I still think is not necessarily addressed in the legal legal area as well as it should be and could be. Um, we do that. We also have products that we create, both in litigation, transactional, and operational perspectives. So for for law firms, we can we can help them drive new revenue and bring new business lines into their firm, insource things that they might have outsourced before, help them put mechanisms in place to be more efficient that way. Or it may just be a process where 
We need a better um, contract management system that has artificial intelligence infused that can help them have more intelligence into their, their data in, in general. And, and so that's why you don't refer to yourself as, say, a consultancy, right? Because you also build products. You also kind of build some bespoke products. You build some kind of off-the-shelf products also. That's right. Yeah. So we do. And our model is one that I think is is one that is, is unique. And it, and it can be done um, with other firms. But because of the global platform that we have, we are a subsidiary of Reed Smith. We have the global client reach, and so we see a lot of the pain points on a global scale. And um, from there, we can prioritize what our efforts are from a product product side, from a solutions expertise side. And when we go out into the market, we see the same pain points from other customers that are not necessarily affiliated with that. And so that was one of the reasons we also did the spinoff. And uh, of course, I think a lot of our listeners have heard of Gravity Stack and they've heard of it through the lens of exactly as you mentioned, this global platform created by Reed Smith. Can you talk to us about you know, the creation of Gravity Stack by Reed Smith, certain key players of Reed Smith, and then how you got brought in? And I want to, uh, you know, after that, get into kind of your background as well as someone who's been a career Reed Smith slash Gravity Stack person. Yeah, so Gravity Stack really is the next evolution of what was the client technology solutions group at Reed Smith. So I, I headed up that global group for the last five, six years. I've been at Reed Smith for over 10 years before we spun off. And we were responsible, uh, you know, start on the litigation side and providing technology solutions and expertise around that, e-discovery, other lit types of technology. Then it pivoted over to the transactional side, helping out with deal rooms, coming up with, with technology that can help with deal flows, help up with, you know, whether that's private equity, looking at different businesses that they're interested in and, and taking that through, you know, some sort of pipeline that they can see what's going on all the way through just full due diligence, virtual deal room type of technology. So we would put that together. We were supporting that so much that we started creating products based on some of that global reach. And we started having customers say, hey, these products are great. We like them even better than what's out in the market now. Can you license this to us? So that was that was one of the first triggers for us to say, hmm, I think we might have something here. And as we kept building our team, we, we have 30 globally right now, various areas of the U.S. And then we have some in London as well. But as we kept growing the team, it was apparent to us that we did have something here and there were there was a demand for it. By having the demand-led approach of our products and solutions, we had the perfect incubator in, in Reed Smith's platform to, to help us build that because, one, we can come up with a prototype, but then we can test it out in the law firm with people that are not necessarily the easiest to please, lawyers, to so help fine-tune and get those products better and then commercially license them and have them ready to go. So, for instance, we have a product called Periscope. It is an e-discovery BI platform that literally gives you insight into the, the speed and the accuracy of document review. It gives you insight into the, your budget, your uh, budget to actual of what's spent on your e-discovery projects and also gives you insight into the data. That that information, that was completely, we probably put that through about 3,000 matters before we even released that to the to the public. And so when we when we release something to, to, to the, the market, it's been tried and tested, it's ready to go. Of course, there's always things you can fine-tune and develop, but I think that when we're doing it this way, this model, it, it gives you it gives you a little ahead of the game compared to the market. And how many years ago did this client technical solutions group kind of rebrand internally as Gravity Stack? And how long ago did Gravity Stack 
get spun out so that it is now a subsidiary, albeit a wholly owned subsidiary of the firm. Yeah, so the the brand was before Gravity Stack was Client Technology Solutions, and really it was you know it goes back to what I was talking about the difference in our mind of the definition of services versus solutions. I think when it first started in its infancy, maybe ten years ago, it was called the support. It evolved to litigation technology, then it evolved to client technology because we were doing so many other things. And the other nice thing about having Reed Smith as the incubator for us to test some of our theories and our products and solutions is that it's, it's a firm that is almost down the middle, 50-50 litigation and transactional. And so you see all the different use cases around that. And so we got to that point of client technology solutions, matured there, and then we just this year spun off as Gravity Stack. However, I will say that we've been doing what we what we're doing now as an independent company for years. So it's really just a you know formality. What is it about? So let me back up. Reed Smith is known as an innovative firm. What is it that makes Reed Smith the kind of firm that identified something like your client technology solutions group and says, "Wait a second, that could be a revenue generating." wholly owned subsidiary, let's give it a chance. And here you are now as a CEO of Gravity Stack, a wholly owned revenue generating subsidiary. You know, what is it about Reed Smith that, that caused them to, to think along those lines? I think most firms wouldn't even go in that direction. Reed Smith is a unique place. The culture all the way from the senior management down, it's very almost corporate in nature where they're very open-minded to, to alternative ways of, of creating value for their customers. Um, you know, it's something that goes through the practice groups. I think there's a, at every senior level and leadership level all the way down, um, people have this, this idea of, you know, hey, if you have an idea, voice it, you know, maybe it'll stick, maybe it won't, but people are open to listening to new ideas. And I think they're also very smart at seeing what's going on in the market and making sure that they are going to be able to compete as, as the future Continues. And we'll get to that. That's yeah. definitely something I want to talk about. I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, but before I get to that, something I get asked very regularly from podcast listeners is you interview all of these incredibly impressive people, of which you were one, Brian. How did they get to that point in their career? They come on your podcast as, the, in your case, the CEO of Gravity Stack. How did you pull that off? How did you do it? When you started at Reed Smith 10 years ago, in what position did you start and how did you progress up to this role where you're now overseeing a revenue generating global operation of 30 plus people? When I started, I certainly did not expect that I would be, you know, even in law when I was, you know, getting, getting my, getting kind of my teeth in, in this world. But I started out in DC, was uh, at a couple of firms there in IT and transitioned over to more business IT, kind of business apps. And then that fell into litigation support side of things, the discovery side of things. And that was right when things were going from paper to digital. So kind of rode that wave through. And then uh, Reed Smith, 10 years ago, started off as you know running their Western U.S. group um, for litigation and discovery technology. And from there, we kind of just kept branching out and uh, kept evolving and, and, and really morphed into the solution side. And that's where I am now. Did you view yourself when you started at Reed Smith 10 years ago as an IT person and you've now kind of morphed into, you know, someone who's certainly wearing many hats, management being one of them? Not an IT, no. That was another thing that was nice about Reed Smith. I think that they understood that this kind of group could be a revenue generator, definitely adds value to what the attorneys are doing, can add value just in terms of efficiencies and margin. 
technology is some of the best leverage you can find, better than associates sometimes. Being able to infuse that and understand it and, and show the business case of it, they embrace that. And that was something that when I first started, I'm certainly, I certainly touch IT things, but I'm not an IT person. I think a lot of folks listening to this podcast will will be surprised at the fact that Reed Smith has this internal data company, right? This wholly owned subsidiary data company that is generating revenue that's performing very well. I mean, they just spun it off very recently. My question is, why do you think this is so rare among the AMLA 100 or even expanding it to the AMLA 200? Why is it that just a handful of firms have done what Reed Smith has done? You know, it's a good question, and there's probably many answers to it. I, I would say that, I, well, first off, there are others that have done this. There are firms that have spun off uh, on the discovery side. Some have, have done some incubators or innovative uh, sort of um, subsidiaries. Some are on the LPM and, and uh, uh, Six Sigma type of things. I think one thing that sets us apart is the products and, and us getting those out in the ecosystem. I think that's something that, that is definitely different than, than we would see, but I would I think some firms have not done that just because traditionally they haven't had to. You know, when they're looking at their P&L, there's no big, huge difference. I mean, of course, 2007 was a big difference, but that was a economic event. I think as things have, things have certainly corrected there, I think most firms, you know, got a little more efficient. We lost some firms because of some of the inefficiencies that were going on before that happened. Um, but I think firms are stronger for it. You know, the demand for legal it's fairly flat. It's not really going up too much. I think it's it's certainly you know going up incrementally, but nothing drastic. So firms have had to have to be a little more efficient than they had been, but there's still some firms that I don't think are even thinking about that or, or have to be. There, I think that this also gets to the point of there's different levels of firm in terms of the types of matters they get, the type of firm they are. Maybe they're just litigation. Maybe they have a split with transactional litigation. Um, maybe the types of cases they get are bet the farm type cases, and there's no budget. Um, there's other firms that get a lot of high volume, a lot of things where they have to be very efficient on, and so they focus on how can we do that. And a lot of that source of technology, a lot of that source of the process, and requires them to be innovative to stay at that level where you're. You, when, if you know if you're in the senior manager or executive committee of a firm of the CFO, what's what's the what's the PPP? You know what's the what's the general revenue? What's the margin? Um, and all that stuff can matter depending on your profile as a firm. How were those early conversations like when you were designing and about to release a product like Periscope, like some of the other products you've you created, and you kind of wanted to use Reed Smith as a firm as your testing ground for that product? And in fact, that's one reason why Gravity Stack makes good products, right? It's because they've got a lot of backing and testing behind that. You know, we've found, and a lot of legal technology companies have found that some firms are very reluctant to try new things because it's very understandable. It's a time suck, right? Mm -hmm. What was the conversation like when you said, or maybe the firm agreed at the jump to, as a part of the business model of Gravity Stack, use Reed Smith attorneys and the Reed Smith Brain Trust to invest in the product, test the product, QA the product before it was released. Yeah, I think part of that really came from, uh, it was on our part to put a business case forward of why we should do this. So a lot of the things that we would target would be technology or some sort of solution or process that would improve what we were already doing. And so it wasn't any sort of new it, it was technically a new process for them or a new technology they might be using, but ultimately they're trying to get to the same point A to B 
in terms of whatever their legal demand was. And so we try to put it in the hands of the people that would would very much benefit from that process being more efficient or gaining more intelligence out of the information that they were trying to use to get to point A to point B. And, and so once we were able to demonstrate that a little bit, it was it was obvious for them that it was a, there was a business case because one, it, they could spend less time on the same amount of things and start getting more business and, and even expanding. And that was the ultimate goal. And kind of goes to the same thing where I'm kind of diverting here to, to artificial intelligence, but there is there is kind of an apprehension in legal about that. I, I think that it fully, to me, it equates to potential for, for more business if you embrace it and do it pro- do it correctly. And the one thing I, I see a lot of comparisons to AI is going to overtake lawyers. I just don't, I don't know how that's even possible because you need a human element to make it work properly. We need the expertise of a, of a, of a lawyer to make it work properly. And so, you know, when we're trying to infuse our products, we, we make sure that we're trying to, we're, we're trying to solve what's, what's already a pain point for them. I'm going to ask you a, a really hard question because it's over such a long period of time, but over the last five years, since you've been actively involved at, at Gravity Stack and, in fact, the CEO of Gravity Stack, uh, what have you learned and what kind of um, advice could you, if they, if they all listened, could you give the, uh, you know, the top players on the law firm side in the legal industry uh, as someone from a very unique perspective? It's, it's, you know, we, we've had on CKOs, we've had on in-house counsel, we've had on technologists, but I feel like you occupy a kind of a, a wholly unique category there. Yeah, that is a broad question. I, I would say from a, nothing's, nothing's impossible. I, I would say that you can, there are things there. There's a lot of people that I've met in the industry that um, are either in firms or, or outside, or even selling to customers that are firms that that get get a little bit pessimistic about the adoption of technology or something that's more efficient and a solution for lawyers to adopt. And maybe it's because uh, I'm on more of the client technology side rather than maybe operational technology side of of how you know, internal workings or core apps of firm works. But I'm a little more optimistic that people are open to learning new things and taking on new new technologies or solutions. Uh, but I think it's all around making the case that it's gonna make their lives better, make their book of business better, and and just you know keep them thriving for the future. But I would say just don't get overly pessimistic about what's going on right now. Things can get better and particularly if you're optimistic about it. This is a podcast about rapid change in the legal industry. You are, you know, right at the crest of the wave, right? What have you seen in the last couple of years that is a, a big red flag to you or a kind of a sign of coming attractions to you as to the legal industry and where this is all going? It depends on where you're looking, but there's been a lot of consolidation on the solution provider side, particularly over the discovery side. You know, you've seen... Uh, a, a space that used to be dozens, even hundreds of providers is down to now probably less than a few dozen that are really major players or regional players. You know, that's just market maturity, but it's just, it's been fascinating to watch even just the last five years that's, that's accelerated. But we're seeing that also on the alternative legal service provider market as well. All the investment that's coming from venture capital or outside, some sort of outside investment, you know, the Atrium deal, uh, you see on the contract side, Cure is getting a lot of money. I think it's you know, the big four getting into it. They're 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 acquiring certain portions of law firms. I think another one just came out yesterday or a couple of days ago. The EMI with Riverview and right and uh, and some of the other ones. But 
to me, it's absolutely something that is a red flag because that money is going there for a reason. They see a huge opportunity. There's still time for big law to, to get in that, that market, but they need to act and they need to act sooner than later because at some point it's not a problem for them, but at, at one point it's going to be. And when you say that market, what do you refer to? So I'm, I'm referring to sort of the ALSP type market where it's, you know, alternative legal services providers. That's right. That's right. So the firms that are, that are out there, kind of the axioms of the world, you, you'll see some of that with, the, with Elevate. You'll see some of that with what we're trying to do with Gravity Stack. I, I, would, I would put us in that category. And, and again, I'll of course, give kudos to Reed Smith for, for having the foresight that we need to get into that game because that's where it's going and that's where the market's moving. But I think that you know, it's, there's a lot, of, a lot of legal demand that's shifting that way. And the, the buying power and the budgets are, are looking at that because it coincides with the rise of legal operations as well. The corporations, I mean, they are in charge of the budget. They are trying, their sole job is to reduce legal spend. Also, you know, make things more efficient, but stay out of the way of what the business is doing. Don't, don't slow things down from a business perspective, but keep it more efficient. Make sure things are working much more oil than they have been in the past. Um, and I think it shows with the way what they're choosing as solution providers. It's not just the, a lot of them are consolidating their their panels. I was I was just at a you know very large uh, law law firm panel innovation day at a, at a large corporate client um, last week. That was a perfect exemplar of what they're trying to do. They want they want their law firm showcasing what's innovative. How are they going to impact us as a corporation to get more value? If you can have a if you can have an outside counsel that has a partner associate or the outside counsel level expertise that you need and you expect, but you 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 are also complementing that with the technology or process that's taking them away from having to do that part and let, allowing them to focus on what we've outsourced this outside counsel to do. Really have that expertise that is more value for a corporate client. So that's kind of the way it's going. I think the two are, are converging. It's still going to converge and. I think a lot of the AMLA 100s are going to be, right now, revenue looks great. You know, the market trends say, say you know, everything's fine. There hasn't been a huge economic event since, you know, the, the collapse uh, before. But I think they're, they're more mindful of it. But I, I think they're kind of just hoping. Some of them are just not doing anything. Some of them are. There's various levels of that life cycle. But at some point, all of a sudden, it's going to be, okay, these, are, <laughs> these major players are getting all of this type of work, no matter what we try anymore. Is... The Reed Smith gravity sack model, the law firm of the future. I know you're biased, right? So, but I mean, you know, I asked this question through the lens of what you just mentioned, and that is that you have ENY and, and KPMG and the other big four accounting auditing firms slowly gravitating towards something that's kind of pseudo law practice. And they already certainly do this internationally. In the US, we're seeing that kind of charge. And it's really the the talk of the industry. Does this represent, and does what you do with Gravity Stack represent the flip side of that, which is law firms slowly easing into maybe more of the consulting solutions market? If, if that kind of articulation of the structure is accurate, is that where trends are leading us for law firms to just not simply be law firms anymore, but have the litigation and corporate end, but also the gravity stack type subsidiary within them? I do. Whether or not they're they're formally spinning them off as that, I think the smart firms are doing this. They have built, they have teams internally, whether it's out of KM or 
IT or, or litigation technology, transactional technology, innovation. There's a lot of different names that, that people are putting on it. But if it's a concerted, coordinated effort with a you know proper strategy and, and business model, it can, I think it is the way that things are going, especially if they're going to succeed. You mentioned this kind of this moving, inching over, law firms inching over into the business side. The way I kind of look at it is, is it's this this kind of spectrum between legal and business advisory, right? You know, where you have maybe on the business advisory side is the big four. Some of the traditional boutique consulting agencies are over there. And they're all kind of started creeping over to that legal side. You know, you see right. it every day with the what we discussed with the, some of the acquisitions. Some of it's happening in the form of partnerships between law firms and these providers. Uh, and that and that's a strategy of some of the big law firms. And I, and I understand it. It makes sense to me. It still keeps them in the game and allows them to focus on their expertise, but then kind of outsource that offering, but in a, in a partnered way. But then you have some that are just not doing anything. And that's, I think they're going to fall down that pyramid. And I kind of see it as a pyramid with that, that, top, that, that top spectrum being the, the law firms that get it and either doing their own thing with, with whether it's branded or not as an independent thing, an independent company, they have that sort of that, that efficiency or solution provider arm to them. Um, that's on the business advisory side, and then that and that couples and partners with the law firm with the outside counsel level expertise, and then you have the the big four types of consulting that are starting to do the partnerships or acquiring other law firms to kind of move into there. So uh, I think the law firm, the, the legal legal solutions of the of legal services or legal solutions of the future, it's going to be some sort of combination of the, of those things, and then you're going to have some of the other law firms or some business advisory that kind of fall down probably a few rounds because they're not necessarily thinking about that yet. I want to drill down into you know, how Gravity Stack and Reed Smith kind of work together. Let's say Reed Smith has a major global representation. At what point and who reaches out to you, Brian, and says, hey, this may be a good place to deploy some Gravity Stack resources. How do we go about doing that? I mean, how does that flow work? And you know, how does a partner in thousands of miles away know that Brian exists at Reed Smith? And, and what does that what does that workflow look like? Well, I mean, we have an advantage um, because we do compete with other providers out there. Reed Smith has their pick, but we certainly have an advantage by um, being aligned with them and. and so we get the advantage of being able to present to the, all the various practice groups, all the different regional meetings, all the different senior management groups. So everybody knows, you know, what we're doing. That's an ongoing thing. I could tell 20 people what we're doing right now, and maybe two of them remember that in, in a week. So it's just that's an ongoing process that comes from, you know, just uh, general marketing that comes from product marketing, comes from PR, all of the above. And so that, that, that takes the internal part though is, is very important to us because obviously we dismiss our biggest customer. That is something that is just kind of a recurring thing with our team. We have various strategic alignments with various people in our group that are aligned with certain practice groups and we make sure that they understand what the latest and greatest is. I'm sure there's a lot of firms right now, some of whom may be listening to the podcast, who are interested in doing something like Gravity Stack. I'd assume that a lot of these are AML 100, maybe AML 200 firms. What advice can you give them as someone who's done it? And in fact, it's been so successful, as we mentioned, it was spun off. If a firm wants to pursue a wholly owned subsidiary gravity stack model, what's the playbook look like? Well, I think you have to have the right people who are going to try to run it. And then you need to have the, the proper culture at the executive side of the firm that, that embraces that type of thinking and is ready to help you usher that through because there is, of course, 
lot of red tape that you, you might run into trying to just get something like that through the finish line in a, in a law firm environment. But I would say if you're going to start with anything, if you have an idea, if you want to really sort of make it tangible, start with a business plan, just like you would whether you're in a law firm or not. What's your idea? What's your strategy? Why are we doing this? How is it going to make money? How is this going to make money? How is this even, you know, if I'm a partner, then I'm trying to decide whether or not we want to do this or not. Why do I care? Get that into some sort of documented form. It's probably going to have 50 iterations before it's ready to be presented. But um, at least get what you're thinking on paper and, and have some some real tangible backing of what you know you think you can forecast or tangible examples of why you think it would work. Putting that all together. You've said this generally, but what was that moment in your career at Gravity Sack, or I should say before Gravity Sack when you were at Reed Smith? where you looked up, and maybe this isn't how the story went, but this is how the story is going in my mind, where you looked up and you said, this is, this is real. This could work. We can be a subsidiary within Reed Smith. We can add on and hire on a lot of talented people, and we could actually create products and, and deliver services that actually move the needle. We don't need to just be the client technology solutions group anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was probably when we, there was a few matters that we had when we were, we started because one of our offerings is managed solutions. So we'll host client data, various different uh, technologies and data centers. And then we have outside entities that'll log into that and use it, whether it's our customer or our firm. But then we started having many cases where we literally would have dozens of firms in there and they were using our tech. It was, we would have, um, I know, I, I remember one particular one. We had a bake-off at a client site with three or four other firms. First two firms went and presented their technology op- option. They're what they thought we should be using for this. We presented ours. Before we were done, they said, that's what we're going to do. And they didn't even let the next one go. And we said, okay, that's a good, that was a good sign. And then when we started creating a product and we were, we were just expecting to use it for Reed Smith only. But once we started having other customers use it, they were, they would, we probably had dozens of people asking, can we license this? Cause this is great. And then subsequently, some of our other products that we've created, even from that demand mode approach, we've had people, part of our big job as gravity stack is just listening. So half the time we're all just talking to customers and understanding what is it that are your pain points? You know, how, you know, what is it that you're looking to be more efficient at? You know, what, what can we help you solve? And a lot of the times they would be describing something we've already created. And then say, oh, well, we have this and maybe you need to tweak it a little bit to fit your, your side, but, but it's something that we've already thought of and, and it wasn't available in the market. So it's kind of a combination of things. It definitely wasn't one just aha moment. It was kind of a combination of little things along the way, but it culminated into an overall aha. What is the breakdown of the 30 employees of Gravity Stack? Uh, to what extent are they technologists and engineers versus legal specialists, legal ops? So we have a project management team that is you know, very customer-facing, very versed in project management, LPM-type work. We have many of them are also technologists, so we have kind of a cross section of them. And then we have a, a solutions architecture team that kind of layers with that as a complement to help with really complicated solutions that need to happen. Then we have a data science and an operations team. Operations teams consisting of people that are really managing data, harvesting data, gaining intelligence into it, giving us some sort of output so people can glean more information out of it, get better insights. Data science team to help us with. The strategies where we're going to go next. Maybe it might be something operational. 
but maybe it might be something for a case where we have you know, a false claims act and we're defending a customer that uses an application that, that calculates certain prices for things. And uh, we have a false contact saying that you're overcharging. So we're literally going in there running algorithms on every single line of the 500 million record data set to refute those claims. And that is really a data-driven lawyer type of work. So um, that's what that, that team does. Um, but then we have some other developers and product, product people as well. What is, from your vantage point, what technology trends are you seeing? What, what new tech is being demanded by the market and what is, as a result, Gravity Stack kind of building to address that need? Yeah, I'd say, you know, there's still a high demand for a lot of litigation tech, but that industry is certainly more mature. It's been, you know, that was just out of necessity for the volumes of data that you would get in a litigation. You have to have technology that was good at dealing with that. And by litigation tech, you mean e-discovery? E-discovery and, and, and doc, doc, review. doc review, that type of thing. I would say that you're certainly seeing a lot of, of change in the research, something close to, to what you guys are doing with infusing you know, some sort of artificial intelligence in the way we search and the way we identify just general market information to try to try to try our cases or just get research to, to build a better uh, position on whatever it might be. But I'd say that, that the fastest growing one that I'm seeing is contracts, the, the life, <laughs> the livelihood of a business, right? You have all of your, your agreements and you have a lot of organizations that do not know how to manage it or are having trouble or have just grown so big that something may have started here. And then it, now you're now you're a multinational firm and you've got different business units in different regions of the world that it just run differently. Just organizing your contracts, understanding, going from reactive to proactive and, and being able to oversee that can be the difference, could be seven figure plus difference if it's done right when you're infusing some technology. So technology around that, contract AI, deal management, that, those, are, those are some products that we're working on right now. We have some um, and we're working on new ones. That market is very hot right now. I think you'd see some of the investment that's going on. And it's still really relatively in its infancy. To what extent does Gravity Stack work lead to new accounts and new work for Reed Smith and vice versa? To what extent does Reed Smith kind of internally or I guess through its wholly owned subsidiary say, hey, that sounds like just the job for Brian Here's some, here's some work. Yeah, it does. So a lot of times we might be brought in to evaluate a certain system, say contract system or matter management system, or maybe a document review or litigation tech. The Reed Smith is a position where we have a large group of reviewers in our global solution center, one in Leeds, one in, uh, in Pittsburgh. We have some other areas as well, but they are full-time Reed Smith employees that are very adept at, at dealing with that type of work. So we might come in to implement and help them with the system and help them with workflows, but then they may need someone to actually have the legal expertise to review what's been set up. And so that's the, that's where the perfect partnership between Reed Smith and Gravity Stack happens. And that was, I mean, that's another reason why we, we spun this off because sometimes, you know, people want the services or solutions of Gravity Stack independently. And then sometimes they want to have it packaged with an outside council level expertise. To what extent do you rely on lawyers at Gravity Stack or lawyers at Reed Smith to help make sure that this is the kind of tool that actually would appeal to the market? There's a lot of technology companies out there you know, in Silicon Valley and elsewhere that are really technologists that are trying to make tools for lawyers or for consultants or for whatever, but they don't loop in the exact 
folks that they're trying to sell to. How does Gravity Stack avoid that problem? It, I mean, it's, it is a critical issue. I mean, you could spend six, seven figures just trying to get the right market analysis for and beta testers for your tool. We, we, we partner with specific lawyers and, and even at the, at the partner and equity partner level that um, understand what we're trying to do and we align strategically with them because they know that if, if, if the product works with the way that they need it to work, it's going to be appealing to others as well. And so we get, we get a, a, we definitely have a diverse group of partners that we, we talk to and we vet most of our products by um, in order to get that type of feedback and, and a diverse feedback. So I've got one last question for you, Brad. You've been very generous with your time and I really appreciate you, you coming and joining us here. And that one question is, what's next for Gravity Stack? Well, you, you know, we know what the last five years have looked like, and it, frankly, it's looked very successful and, and very promising. What do you see coming up next from your position as the leader of, of this subsidiary? Yeah, I think we're going to have further expansion. So right now, we're mostly U.S.-based. We have some European, but I think we're going to expand further to Europe and start migrating more to Asia as well. I think there's a lot of um, market demand for this type of solutions all over the, the globe. So part of that is just general expansion. I think also we're certainly very much laser focused on the contract arena right now. We have some products that are coming out around that. You know, I think it's, it's, it's really just being able to continue to listen to our customers and be able to evolve with the market and be ahead of what is coming. And a lot of that is listening to what, what, what their needs are. Excellent. Brian, I really appreciate you joining us on the Modern Lawyer Podcast here in our, our Case Tech's office, uh, down the street from your office at Reed Smith, San Francisco, or I should say Gravity Stack, San Francisco. Uh, so it's a pleasure and it's an honor to have you. you no, know, thanks very much. This is great. Thanks for listening to the Modern Lawyer Podcast. We always love hearing from you, and we highly value your feedback. Reach out to me at onin at casetext.com, tweet at us with the hashtag modernlawyer, and check us out at modernlawyerpodcast.com. We hope you join us for our next episode. Special thanks to the Case Text team, especially our producer extraordinaire, Abby Hadidian. See you soon.